You're listening to Southside Baptist Church Podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. I say it often, I get so into the worship that I'm not aware of anything else. Amen. You may wonder sometimes what your pastor's thinking of as I, my eyes are closed, my hands are lifted. I'm thinking about all over the world, whether it's the underground church in China, whether it's in Asia, Indonesia, whether it's in, Amer- in Africa, in the villages of Zimbabwe or Kenya, uh, or wherever they may be. I'm thinking about Europe where handfuls of remnants are meeting in cold, dark places, still hanging on to a church. I'm thinking about even in this country, around the world, praise and worship has been lifted up to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking that we are a part of that. We are contributing to that worship. And uh, one day, and I'm, I'm thinking a moment ago, I'm thinking about in heaven, you know, it says, hearing the voices of the angels as they sing hallelujah, and they remind us that the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And, and that's, what, that's where my mind is. I'm, I'm thinking, I, I, sometimes I'll think even about Steve, it's funny, but I think about in the NFL, I think about godly men who play ball, who I see them quietly slipping off to the sideline. I see them on their knees. I see them, I hear about their testimonies. I know that they're a witness in the dressing rooms where they're gathering before a game. And, and I, I see them. I see some of those men who are pointing up toward the heavens, some men that are bowing on their knee and they're spending a moment in prayer. And I think about all over the world how lives are affected because we're the salt, light, and yeast. And when we worship, heaven joins us. Heaven joins us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear Lord, that you love us. We praise you, dear Lord, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The psalmist said that we are. We are made in the image of God. We are being conformed into the image of your Son. Lord, sometimes that is a very, very painful process. It sometimes comes at great cost as we feel those habits, those strongholds, those things in our life that are being chipped away that just simply don't look like Jesus. Sometimes, dear Lord, we want to cry out against the potter when he's working on the clay, and we want to say, Lord, it's just too much. But we know that, dear Lord, in time that we will be conformed into the image of your Son. And for that, we are grateful. And so we pray, dear Lord, that the power of your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and lives. We ask you, dear Lord, not only in the worship, but dear Lord, even in your word, that dear Lord, you will use it as a sword that's held in the hands of the Holy Spirit by which he whittles away unchristlike attitudes and behaviors. May we look, may we talk, may we act more like Jesus. Last year, dear Lord, our vision for 2013 was be Jesus. Now this year, it's let's grow. And we pray, dear Lord, that we will grow and be conformed into your image. Lord, we love you. We ask you to be with this time, even as we look for a moment at your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to Matthew uh, Matthew chapter 28. I had planned to preach 
today to begin a new series called Worried. I know none of you have that problem with worry, anxiety, with depression. And uh, so you probably, you, you probably don't need that. You may know somebody that does. But uh, in fact, I was going to say when I began this series, for the next three weeks or two or three weeks, I'm going to be preaching to me and y'all just listen in. Okay, because it's a battle that we all have. But I, I, I really feel strongly and I really ask God to, to bring to this congregation today, I know this is the last weekend of the holiday season and everything tomorrow will kick back into gear and we'll be back in school, back at work and things will begin to go back to somewhat uh, normal and we'll start moving into 2014. But I, I wanted to take a moment and I wanted to just share from my heart and, and it'll, it'll be a little shorter today. But I just kind of want to share with you some things that are on my heart. I need you to listen closely. If, you, if you're here, you're here by divine appointment. God brought you here. God wanted you to hear this. And there are other people, I wish they were here, but they'll be able to listen on the internet and they can, they can go back and, and hear it on our website. I want you to hear the heart of your pastor and maybe, maybe some things that God has put on my heart for 2014. And so... What I need you to do is, is to listen. I want you to understand maybe the direction that we'll be going this next year. And, and, and I even want you to feel the freedom as long as you'll keep it brief. I don't want you to preach a sermon or you know go on forever. But if there's something that I need to clarify or there's a question that you have, I have no problem answering that. Now, if you want to know where Cain got his wife or did... Uh, did Eve have a belly button? Then you'll have to see Jesus about that when you get to heaven. So don't ask me those questions, okay? But anyway, I want you to kind of—I want you to kind of hear my heart. So take your Bible, Matthew chapter twenty-eight, and I want us to pick up at verse sixteen. We're going to read this passage of scripture, and then I want to share for a moment. Then we're going to pray, and then we're going to be dismissed. Uh, Matthew chapter twenty-eight, beginning at verse sixteen, and and a lot of us know this passage is what we call the Great Commission. In other words, let me, let me set the stage here. Jesus has uh, gone to the cross. Jesus has been, has been killed. He is dead. Three days later, he's resurrected. He spends the next 40 days moving about and convincing people of his resurrection. He does that with his disciples. He does that with some Mary and some of those early church, uh, those, those people that made up the early New Testament church, he did that. Uh, he, what Paul says in Corinthians that he appeared to over 500 people. That Paul, well, Paul said there were probably over 500 people that were alive at that time who had seen the resurrected Christ. And, and so, but here we have Jesus getting, he's getting ready to depart. He's getting ready to ascend to the Father. And in that, you've talked about it this morning in Sunday school, he's going to send the paraclete or the Holy Spirit, that comforter, to now come and live in us. Now, before he leaves, he has some things that he really wants to say. Now, everybody look this way. I've been to a lot of deathbeds. I've seen a lot of people die in 35 years of ministry. When people are getting ready to leave somebody they love, they pull them up close and they say some serious things. Okay. Now, we know that Jesus is not leaving his disciples. He's sending the Holy Spirit. He is ascending to the Father. 
But he's giving counsel to the early believers, to the apostles, and to the New Testament church, and to you and I. So I want you to look with me. Matthew 28, Matthew 28, beginning of verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they what? They worshipped him. Now, I love Matthew because Matthew's honest. The Bible is a very honest book, very open. The Bible will tell you all the warts, blemishes, and everything about us. It never portrays the church or any believer. David was a murderer and adulterer. You know, Lot had his problems. I mean, all the way through the Scripture, the Scripture is very clear. Now, what the Bible says, what Matthew says here, at this time, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray real quickly. Our Heavenly Father, again we come to you. We pray, dear Lord, that you might... Use this time to speak to our hearts. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory. Lord, I've been on my face before I came in here. And as best I know, dear Lord, my heart's clean and pure before you today. So Lord, may your vision, your will, your direction for this church for 2014 be made very, very clear. And we'll give you the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to, I want to share with you three three directions that I would love to see us go in 2014 and the things that in many cases I've been praying about for, for many, many years. And I believe that they will help us to accomplish the Great Commission. Now, we're doing some great things. Al, Alan and uh, Chris came up here a moment ago. We're, we're starting back Celebrate Recovery. This is our attempt. When we are ministering to homeless people, sack lunches that are given out every day, bags of food that are given out, soup meal on Wednesday night, all of these things that we do for the community and for hurting people. We also want to be able to say to them who are struggling with an addiction, we have an alternative for you. You can, you can enroll and celebrate recovery. We want to, uh, listen, we want to equip you as a, as a church as a body, of, as, a, as a follower of Christ, to have the ability to say, when you see somebody that, that, is, that doesn't have food or needs help, you can say, listen, let me give you this number, or go to our church, or I tell you what, you meet me there and we'll make sure you have some food. We'll help you out there. We want to be able to equip you. When you run into somebody who says, look, I'm just struggling with an addiction. You're at work. Somebody says, look, I'm struggling with porn. I'm struggling with alcohol. I'm struggling with drugs or I'm struggling with this. I've got an eating disorder, whatever it may be. We want you to be able to say, hey, you need to come Thursday night. Look, a meal will be taken care of and you can enroll and celebrate recovery. And that is a Christian-based AAA. That's a Christian-based AA program designed around the gospel that may set you free of some addiction strongholds in your life. We want to equip you to be able to do that. We want you to be proud of this church. We want you to be able to say, well, other churches are building, building mega million dollar buildings and you can say, well, listen, you know, our buildings are simple. We don't have a lot, but let me tell you some of the things that God is doing in the life of our, of our church at Southside. When I say ours, I mean us in Christ. You know what I mean. It's His church. 
So we want to equip you to do that. This year we want to go to Zimbabwe. A group of our men are preparing now to go to Zimbabwe either the latter part of August, the 1st of September. We're serious about that. We want to go back there. We want to reestablish that partnership. We're trying to pull another church into this so that we're not pulling that by ourselves alone. We want to be able to minister. I had a family in this church say, we want to help orphans. We want to give some money to help orphans. What do we need to do? I said, hang on to it till we go and we will personally video taking care, touching an orphan's life in your name. There's street kids in the city of Harare, Zimbabwe that live on the streets. We want to go investigate that minister to them. We want to do some leadership training. We want to be able to put some good leadership training skills. We want to go very intentional this time when we go to Zimbabwe. Last time for Jeff and I, Matt, and another man, we went basically investigating, looking, seeing where we, and we're just now going back, but that's all right. So we want you to know we're involved in some things, even overseas, things that we're doing. And so we've got Celebrate Recovery, we've got Zimbabwe. There are uh, a, a lot of ministries, again, food pantry, clothing closet, Thanksgiving, Christmas. We were packed out. This place was packed Christmas with homeless, with hurting people, and with volunteers. The same was true at Thanksgiving. Everything we do, we do for the glory of Christ. You know, Paul said it in Corinthians. He said, God chooses the foolish to confound the, the wise. He chooses the weak to confound the mighty. God uses Southside in a very unique way because of the simplicity of who we are. Now, with that said, there are three, there are three areas that I really need you to pray with me about. Folks, I've been here 17 years. It's been an unbelievable journey. I, can't I cannot tell you the times of tears. I can't tell you the times I wonder whether the building would even be open. I can't tell you the heartache and the struggle sometimes of, of, of leading this church in a transitional community. It's been very, very tough. Uh, we are a walking miracle. People ask us all the time, preachers, convention, people will ask all the time, how are y'all still there? By the grace of God. That's our only answer. We, hey, we ain't got no money, people, and if you got money, shame on you for hanging on to it all this time and not telling us. But, you know, we just don't have that. We don't, we don't have high-powered big people. We ju we just, we're just common people, black and white, rich, poor, uneducated, educated. We come from all social strata. We just kind of gather here together, and we just put our resources together, and we just we do what we do for the glory of God. It's un it can only be explained by God's glory. Now, three things that God has put on my heart I feel very, very strongly about. One of them is the house next door. Right now we have had an opportunity to help a young man out and we're going to do that. And we're hoping that where our, some of our staff are located in South Jackson, that soon a house will be available. He'll be in that house and then we'll be able to do what I believe may be God's will. I don't know that yet. I sense we need to do something. I, I do it with great hesitation, with, with, well, not hesitation, but with fear and trembling. And, and it is, we, years ago, we had the house, we used it for a shelter for homeless men. We had some good, we had some great times. We met some great godly men who affected our lives. Jeff, I think about Don and, 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 and his influence in our lives. And, and even though Don's life ended tragically, Don committed suicide. Um, I think about the number of men that we helped and the influence that we had. Chris McKinnon, who led that house for so long, whose heart was so much like that of Christ. And, and, and so I believe that God has given us this house 
to be used to minister to other people. Uh, we've been approached by uh, a young lady, um, Bridget. Bridget works with, oversees God's Haven, uh, which we host on Monday nights here. Uh, Pine Lake, Broadmoor, some of these churches come together and use this venue by which they reach out into the community and they touch the lives of children. So we're not always... Sometimes we just make our resources our church facility, a venue for other ministries. In other words, we don't have to control everything. On Monday nights, we, uh, we host God's Haven. They oversee that. A, a young lady by the name of, of uh, Bridget Macklin uh, is a young lady that kind of oversees that. There are good things that are happening in God's Haven on Monday nights. Of course, we're doing things on Wednesday nights to many of the same children that are being ministered to. Bridget has approached me about and something that's been weighing on her heart. She's done it before. Uh, New Jerusalem at one time was involved in this, about seeing if uh, we could join together and use the house next door as a shelter for homeless women with children. Now, you may say, well, you know, and to me, I always see God. I, let me tell you something. I move very cautiously. I've learned until God says go, you better wait. But one of the things that I've watched is as God began to bring that house together, even putting a fence around it, that maybe God was preparing it for something that we couldn't see at the time. I don't want to do this by myself. In other words, I don't want this to be some project of the pastor. I want godly men and women in this church I want someone to put together, I want us to come together with some kind of committee, some kind of team that will basically oversee that ministry. If we don't have authority over it, we're not going to be involved in it. It would also mean that Bridget and the people who are in that home, that they would have to be members of Southside. Because we can't be responsible for... God, listen to this. Let me give you a spiritual principle. God will never hold you responsible for anything that he doesn't give you the authority over it. Before he gave the Great Commission, he settled the question of authority. All authority, he says, has been given to me, now go. See, does that make sense? So we can't be responsible for something that we have no authority over. I understand that. But let me, let me, let me say, with the economic issues and the things, there are more and more homeless women that are on the streets. We're seeing them at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, you may say, well, wait a minute now. You know, there's shelters. There's very few shelters for women. And if a woman, if a woman has children, there are even less shelters. So the, the, the plight of women who have children that are on the streets is very difficult. Now, hey, yeah, you could go over, you could go over to Metro Inn, and man, look, I love those people. We've worked with them at times. We've done things. But even at Metro Inn, they will tell you that there are women that are constantly trying to get money to stay one more week. Let me tell you sometimes how women are getting money. Sometimes they're selling their body in order to get the money that they need to get a place and a roof over their head for their children. We can't, listen, you may say, well, the problem's too big for us, and what's this house? We can't handle that many families, so, you know, why even try? Well, let me give you an illustration I always use, and I really want you never to forget this. A man was walking along the beach one day, and the tide had washed in all of these starfish, all these starfish. They were all up and down the beach. The sun was coming up, and, and these starfish were laying there, and they were dying on the beach. 
And this old, this old man was walking along. He was picking up starfish, and he was throwing them. They were still alive, picking them up and throwing them back out into the ocean. At one point, a jogger came along and looked at him and said, kind of laughed, stopped, picked up a conversation and said, he said, do you think it matters what you're doing? He, he held up a starfish. He said, it matters to this one and he threw them out into the ocean. You may say, well, wait a minute. We can't solve the problems of the homeless. My friend, we've done a lot of things in, the, in, our, in, in a small church for the homeless. This would be a major undertaking. It would require a great deal of effort and, and authority as we oversee this project. But I really believe that it's something that God has called us to do. Matthew 25, when you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. This is not something that I take lightly. And there are, there are strong spiritual leaders in this church that I definitely will want to hear from them in order to move forward on this. That's number one. So number one will be a shelter for homeless women with children. The second thing is, is, to, is to begin a satellite. And you may say, well, Brother Jeff, look at us. Now, you know, our crowds have been pretty good. We're a little down today, but we realize holiday season, and, and that's all right. God has you here by divine appointment. The second thing is a satellite. Now, hey, for years I thought about, well, we could... You know, I've had people tell me through the years, they'd look and say, Brother Jeff, if Southside, with everything it has, if y'all were sitting in the suburbs, you'd be the biggest church in the state of Mississippi. But we're not. We're sitting in an area that when we invite people to come to church, South Jackson, I'm not going over there. You know, that's the way people respond. I know because I've been inviting them too. That's the way they respond. They don't mind sending the missionaries to troubled spots. Don't ask me to do nothing. So, you know, but anyway, uh, so, you know, there was part of me, I thought, and I, I, we, we, Sheila and I went to uh, Jim Cimbala's church there at Brooklyn Tab years ago. We're a lot like Brooklyn Tab in a lower probably at a lower scale, but we're a lot like Brooklyn Tab, even, even Jim Cimbala listening to some of the things that he said. Jim Cimbala said that Brooklyn Tab couldn't be where they were without the support of their, of their choir, their music ministry, and the, resource, the, the income that comes in from that, and outside sources that basically pour back in. So my thought was, well, maybe, maybe God, if we could start a satellite of Southside out into the suburb, tap that resource in order to put the resources back into this church. But it was like God was saying, no. <laughs> I mean, just a very clear no. And, and then I began, to, I began to hear from someone I have great respect for spiritually. And you may say, well, you're talking about Lee Ainsworth. No, I am talking about Lee Ann, but I'm talking about Betsy. Betsy Ainsworth began to put into... Betsy was communicating verbally what God was saying to me spiritually. And I took that, I took that very seriously. That if we were going to create a satellite, the satellite needed to be deeper into the inner city. It needed to be deeper into the city. It didn't need to go outside the city. It was like God was saying, the resources will come. You just started, the resources will come. So the resources, I believe, will come because I believe, let me say this, I believe a lot of people are getting tired of playing church. I don't know about you, but listen, if I, we, Sheila and I sacrificially, we, 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 we tithe and give. We love the Lord. We love his work. But I can tell you this much. If y'all were spending it on marble top vanities, I probably would move my membership. 
I mean, I'm just not that way. You may say, well, you know, you've, gotta, you've just got to attract. No, you don't. We've been using that poor argument for years. Um, I, I love giving here because I know homeless are being fed. Nobody comes to the door. If anybody comes to the door of the need, they're met. Now, we may require something like, hey, you'll need to attend church before we give you another sack of groceries. But, hey, we minister to people. We do that. So, you know, I'm proud of where my resources go. And I really believe that as we begin to develop a satellite in the inner city in an area that is basically in need of a good church, I believe that God will, I believe God will provide the resources. Okay? And, and, and so a satellite right now, and I, I had an opportunity to go and pray with um, W.H. and I and the Ainsworths and a young African-American young lady who lives in that community. We've prayed over an old Methodist church that has been abandoned. It's on 220 Moss Avenue. And what's interesting, when you come out the door, there's a street that runs into the front door of the church, this abandoned church. You want to guess the name of it? Willing. W-I-L-L-I-N-G, right? Willing. This church sits in front across from the entrance to the Jackson Zoo. It's right off Capitol Street. It is, uh, it, it literally, it's kept me up night after night. Sometimes I think, I wish I had never gone over there because now I can't sleep. But it would require an enormous amount of work. Now let me tell you what God tells me. You know what God tells me? God just says, go get your broom, your shovel, your weed eater, and you go work by yourself. You just go. And you just start praying. You go. You don't worry about, you don't worry about the back of the building, the educational. You just worry about the sanctuary. Just worry about the sanctuary. Focus on the sanctuary. Get the sanctuary up and running and begin to invite people to come and to worship from that neighborhood. You just, you just be obedient and I'll take care of the rest. And I believe he will. Because I believe people are tired of playing church and I believe there are a lot of people that are very wealthy that have marble top vanities and I believe they're getting tired of washing their hands and hearing soft music while they recline in the foyer with a cup of coffee, waiting to go in and attend uh, to, uh, well, let me put it this way, waiting to go in and watch the worship service. So I think God is shaking the church. George Barna told us this years ago in a book called Revolution. I think that's the name of it. So secondly is to create a satellite in the inner city the last one is this, and, and, and let me say this. I don't know if this is of the Lord or not. I, I don't mean this in a vain way. God knows, you know. I sat with my son-in-law yesterday in a Wendy's taking my, taking my grandson back, and he would, I asked him what he was preaching on. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For they, for, what is it? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall obtain righteousness. Is that right? My mind's gone blank. Inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, blessed are the poor in spirit. But poor in spirit, we talked about poor in spirit. It just simply means somebody who recognizes there's nothing in them of any value and worth but the grace of God. They're just appreciative of God's grace. That's me. There's nothing, you know, I'm not proud or arrogant. I don't, if I've ever portrayed that, I'm not that way. Uh, if, if the Lord said, who is the least in this room, I would say me. But I believe that I believe that who we are 
and what we represent needs to go farther than where it's going now. I think it's time for us to grow. I'm 58 years old. I'm tired of looking at empty pews. And I'm asking you to help me to grow this church. There's a couple of things that need to happen. Number one, we need to advertise. It doesn't require that much, but there are some things that we need to do. We don't need to do it in a vain way. We just simply need to say to people, you know, Southside is a place where God will touch your heart, touch your life. We're planted in the middle of need, and uh, it can be a life-changing experience to become a member of this church. We want you to come and be a part of it. It can be as simple as something along that. It will be something with integrity. It will be something that will be honest. We'll not portray ourselves in any way other than who we are. We will do what Jesus did. We will simply say, come join us and let's change the world. We're not going to change the world by marble top vanities. We're not going to change the world by... Uh, 70 passenger air-conditioned buses with video capability for senior adults to go and watch the colors change in the Smokies. We're not going to change the world by going on mission trips and when the bottom line is they're tourist attractions. I know I've been on the receiving end of tourist groups who came and it wasn't a mission trip. We're going to change the world by simply planning our life in the middle of need We need to reach out and say to this community, to the Metro Jackson area and beyond, we want you to come and be a part of what what God is doing here. The other thing is, and and that that S is that we that we create that we go to a station, that we possibly begin to televise uh, our worship service or our preaching, and begin to put something out there. There are a lot of cheap low-cost stations now on the cable. They're not very expensive. And you may say, well, wait a minute. You know, what do you mean cheap, low-cost? Nobody watches channel whatever. You know, you're going to be competing with ESPN or whatever. There was a man that stood before a group of preachers who told this same story. This man was in a, in a church, and I'm going to tell you his name in the church in a moment. He asked his congregation to go on one black and white TV channel, I think if I'm correct. It ended up, it caused a lot of arguing and there were some problems in the church. In fact, 300 people, I believe, or a good number of people got up and walked out of the church. But he just believed that God was trying to do something. And, and, and that man, they started on one black and white channel. Today, this man preaches literally all over the world and God has used him to touch every life in this room, and his name is Charles Stanley. And I can tell you this much, you, you listen to what I'm saying to you. When I am hurting, when I'm hurting, when I'm broken, when I'm struggling, when my heart's breaking, there's one man I listen to, and only one. I go to Charles Stanley. Because I know that when I listen to Stanley, he has gone through his own brokenness, And A.W. Tolzer said it, I doubt God will use a man greatly until he breaks him deeply. He's such a broken man that when he speaks out of his suffering and his brokenness, his pain, his difficulties, I hear it and boy, my heart's right in tune with him. That's the one person. If you're struggling with anxiety, depression, if you're going through difficulty parenting, marriage, whatever it is, if you're suffering right now, you listen, 2014, I encourage you to go to In Touch Ministries, listen to, to Charles Stanley.
I'm telling you that God is, is asking us to get off these pews, get out of our comfort zone, and to grow. To invite people to, to church, but invite them to Christ. That means every Sunday school teacher, take the roles, find out where your people are. That means me too. I'm preaching, I'm talking to me too. That means deacons, we begin to, we begin to get passionate, fired up. We begin to look at each other and say, hey, I agree with the pastor, it's time to grow. Time to grow. Every one of the New Testament churches were growing. God was doing the early New Testament church. It just exploded in growth literally overnight. And God can do it. Now, and, and I believe this. I, I'm, I'm convinced of this. You, you hear the heart of your pastor. And, and Betsy, you and I are in agreement. I believe that revival, can, a spiritual awakening of revival can come to the city of Jackson. I believe that crime can go down. I believe that there can be such a movement of God in this city that when it happens, that the rest of this nation will come to study it and try to figure out what happened. But it's, it's not going to happen unless you and I get serious about the Great Commission. Right? You're, you're, you are a, if you're here today, if you're a member of this church, you're, you're, listen, I've been in ministry 35 years. I've, I've preached in great churches. Um, I've, been, I've been considered to be the pastor of a lot of great churches, some of the biggest churches in the country. I'm here because God has called me to be here. And this is, I believe, where God has called me to be until I go to be with Him or I retire because I can't preach anymore. But I do believe this. God has called us to grow. It's time, I've been discipling in an LTG with my good friend Sean. Everyone knows Sean's testimony. Sean, is, uh, it comes out of the gang world. He, he comes out of the hood. Sean, when he came to the door of this church, was divinely guided by the Holy Spirit. He was on his way to kill three people and then to kill himself and to commit suicide. Christ came into Sean's life sitting right here sitting right there. And God has been in the process of chipping away and conforming him into his son. Sean, it's time to bring the hood here. It, Dwayne, it, it, it's time in VA to say to a doctor who may be frustrated because he feels like his money being wasted, let me tell you where to invest your income and do it unapologetically. You can designate it. Help us fix that old church up. It, it, it's time for us to grow. God has not called us to attend here once a week and just simply be a part of a great worship service, listen to a message, and then go home and watch football. God has called us to be about the Great Commission. I'm asking you, to be a part of it too. If you're not a member of this church, I want to invite you to plant your life here. If you don't know Christ, I, I want to invite you, first of all, to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want you to stand. We're going to spend a moment in prayer. And what I would like for you to do, first of all, if you're here today, and I'm going to ask Ledge to come, and Reggie will be here. If you're here today, 
If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you're not a Christian. We're not trying to coddle you and coax you uh, down the aisle. If Christ is speaking to you now, you don't know Christ and he wants to come into your heart and you, you can tell something is going on inside of you. I want to encourage you to come right now. I want to encourage you to come right now. These men are going to be here at the front ledge. Come on. These men are here right now. You just lean. You just come up beside them and say, look, I don't know. I need to settle this. If you don't know, you settle it today. Number two, if you're here today and you're not a member of this church, um, you know the old statement, either cut bait or what is it, fish or cut bait? You know, well, you know, spiritually, I guess that's what it means. Uh, you know, you, you can either cut bait or fish, but we need to, you need to be doing something. If you're not a member of this church, you need to, and God is leading you to be a member of this church, you need to plant your life and pour into it 100%. Some of you need to get serious for 2014. Spiritually, you're not very serious. You, you're, you're spasmodic in attendance, spasmodic in your Bible reading in your prayer life you know some of them were here last week are not here today their 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 new year's resolution probably didn't even last 72 hours is it we're not talking about a resolution we're talking about regeneration we're talking about revival we don't we don't need your resolution we don't need you to be have a new resolution we need you we need you to have a revival in your heart your prayer needs to be, oh God, that you would rend the heavens, the prayer of Isaiah, and come down and let it, God come down in me right now. You may say, well, I'm struggling. I've got, I've got some addictions. I've got some strongholds. We've taken care of that. We've got godly men that are prepared to not only help you have a meal when you come here, then they'll teach you and help you to have victory over that addiction. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you love us. We thank you, dear Lord, that you take an 80-year-old man on the backside of the wilderness and you stir such a revival in his heart and then you say to him, go and set my people free. And even though Moses, even the song a moment ago when we talked about the great I am, when Moses said, Lord, who am I? I can't talk, I can't do this. He put up all kinds of objections. God said to him, Moses, the I am has sent you. You go. And we thank you, dear Lord, that you take a a shepherd boy on the hillside of Galilee, the last of Jesse's sons, the youngest, just like you've taken Betsy. You take the youngest and you say, anoint him as king. It's just like you, dear Lord, to set aside and do the things that you do. So, Lord, I don't know what you want to do in our lives. But I know this much. I'm 58 years old, and, Lord, I, I, I want to I wanna flame out. I don't want to fizzle out. Lord, I believe this is a great church. It's great because you're here. That's what makes it great. We don't, we don't have anything. We understand that. We're blind Bartimaeus, Lord, have mercy. We're the publican that beats his breast and cries out, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. We're Mary who falls at the feet of Jesus. We, we, we are Zacchaeus. We are, we are the prodigals who have come home. We know who we are and we know who you are. Lord, would you raise us up 
so that we can be better equipped to do your work. Lord, if this is your will, then dear Lord, you divinely intervene and you begin to provide the resources and the things that we need to do this. We pray, dear Lord, that you will draw a commitment out of these that are gathered here to get today. We pray, dear Lord, there are numerous people, dear Lord, talk to two people this week in another city who said, I listen every week to the website. Lord, would you draw even from the website those men and women, young people, who can somehow be a part of this. And Lord, we promise you this. We make a commitment to you. It will never be about a man. We pray that people will never hear Brother Jeff. They'll never hear, they'll never hear necessarily even Southside. We want people to talk about Jesus for your glory, for your honor, and only that. We ask you, dear Lord, to speak to the hearts of every person in this room. There are some that need to come and make a commitment to Christ. There are some that need to spend a moment at this altar and to pray and say, Lord, at the beginning of this new year, here I am. I want to be available. And Lord, we'll give you the glory in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.